0: Happy Wednesday and Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to another episode of A Healthier View. This is Beth, health and wellness expert and one of the hosts of this show. I'm sorry to say that my co-host, Dr. Clithero, could not join us. He's off doing something amazing like saving lives at the hospital today. But Scott wanted me to tell everyone he's sorry he had to miss today's show and he'll be back for the next one. Now to our audience. OMG, OMG, you are in for a treat today and let me tell you that I am super duper pumped about today's show. As you can tell, I'm excited and of course I'm always just a little excited when I do one of our shows, so I'm going to jump right in with today's episode and that's titled Having a Healthy Relationship with Firearms. Now, this is a different topic for us, but I truly feel that this is a topic that needs to be addressed and discussed. And because we're here to engage and educate and inform our audience about well being, today is no different. So I want to welcome Johnny B to a healthier view. Um, Johnny is a YouTuber and the host of the Johnny B Show, which also showcases Spicy Friday, which, by the way, I love, 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 and I encourage all of the listeners to check it out. If you've seen Johnny's YouTube channel, then you know and you've seen his quick wit, his sense of humor, and honestly, I feel that he's mastered giving and stating hard facts with humor and he balances touchy subjects on constitutional rights and stories that we see in the news every day and has dedicated a lot of his time in educating people about firearms and gun safety. And if you haven't seen his videos, well, you need to, you need to check it out, you need to subscribe. And I'm gonna put the link to his YouTube channel in the show notes. But without further ado, Johnny, thank you so much for being here and welcome to A Healthier View.
1: Beth, thank you so much for having me. I have been pumped about this and I know we scheduled this a little bit ago and so since then I've just been excited and I'm glad to be here and you are welcome to be my hype man anytime. I love that intro. Thank you.
0: Oh, my gosh, no problem. And, you know, Johnny, you live in Tennessee. And for our listeners around the world, if you have never been to Tennessee, it is gorgeous. And in fact, it's probably one of my favorite parts of the country. You know, as a kid, we would vacation there. And I have a lot of good memories of that area. And the hiking and the views are pretty amazing. Everyone knows I live in Texas now. And there are some pretty parts in Texas, especially the hill country. But Johnny, you've spent some time in Texas. How do you like the
1: lonely? star state i love the lone star state i mean there's nothing like texas and i I absolutely love it and i consider texas sort of like a second home for me Um, i've lived for three years in texas i've moved across the country twice to live there for three years total and i love it i love the people in texas it's a lot of fun but my favorite is the food all right
0: And, you know, I have to give a shout out to Texas, too. It is a great state. and It's been good to me. I made some lifetime friends. The food is wonderful. The rodeos, the entertainment, the energy is great. And But when I first moved here, I thought I would see a lot of cowboys and tumbleweeds, kind of that Wild West feel. But now, because I live here, when I think of Texas, I think of hot weather. I think of ridiculous traffic, humidity crazy humidity and then there is always take your breath away humidity.
1: That is another point, which is that the heat. I know that anywhere you go in the country, everybody thinks that the state down below them or above them can't handle heat. So if you're in Alabama, you're like, well, people like in Arkansas or Kentucky or wherever, they they can't handle the real heat. So I know we always <laughs> laugh about other areas of the country. It's the same with driving in the snow. Like, you know, if you're in Virginia, you think, oh, no one in North Carolina can drive in the snow like we can. But my opinion is I've lived three winters in Vermont and I live three summers in Texas. And I don't want to do either one of those ever again.
0: Right. 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 You know, I have a funny story. I was outside a few months ago and I kept thinking, wow, the smog is heavy today. I mean, I live in Houston, so smog is a thing, but there was this brown smoggy cloud kind of following me around. And after a few minutes, I realized it was my hair that had completely frizzed out because the humidity, (laughs) but I was totally convinced it was city smog. Yeah.
1: Uh, That's great. That's good. Um yeah, if, if you think it's the humidity it may just be your hair. Right.
0: <laughs> Got to love Houston humidity, but well, this conversation is so exciting to me because I've been enjoying your YouTube videos for quite some time now and they're always so entertaining and we're going to take a deeper dive into that, but I kind of want to start at the beginning. Um I mean, you're very much a patriot, you enjoy your second amendment rights, and you decided to get vocal about it. Walk us through that journey. Um when was there a moment when you thought, I need to get the word out about my beliefs, or was it more of a natural progression?
1: I think more of a natural progression. I've been a communicator, you know, my entire life, and so I'm going to be communicating on stuff, and I'm not just, I mean, I am a patriot, and I love America. I, I absolutely love this place. I think it's the greatest civilization that's ever come about, and we're in a wonderful era right now. I don't think America's always going to be around, but for right now, I love it. But yeah. there's a lot of things I I enjoy talking about. For me and where I'm at right now, certainly a natural progression. I, I love YouTube and I love the idea that anyone at home can produce content and it gets out there and you actually can have a voice. And for me I was watching a lot of YouTube and finally one day I said, Say boys, I think I can do that. Yeah. And I opened up my MacBook and just used the MacBook microphone, the MacBook camera, and had my first video an hour later. And it was very, very different than the content I'm producing now. In fact, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I'm also a a film critic, and I love movies, and I'm a movie fan. And initially, I talked a lot about movies, and it kind of slowly progressed over time. And then there was one incident that happened a few years ago, and I just did a commentary video on it, shared my opinion, and it took off. It did really well in the Google algorithm. And here we are. So, you know, there's a lot of areas that, I, that gets my attention. I just happen to be doing comedy and political comments. And especially from the side of the Second Amendment, it's just where I find myself. So I think it's just a somewhat of a beautiful accident that I'm really glad happened.
0: Oh, I love that. beautiful accident. I like that. So why are you so passionate about promoting a better understanding, about a constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms? Where did that passion come from?
1: I think for me, it came really from the time period as I became an adult when I realized that the Calvary's not coming. Yeah Nobody's coming to help you in your in your moment of need. The average wait time on, it it varies whether you're living in the middle of nowhere or you're living in a city, but average wait times can be 14 to 17 minutes while you wait on the police. Yeah. A lot of bad things can happen there. So when I started in my 20s and and I became a father and was realizing, okay, we're going on a road trip. We're going to be spending a week in unfamiliar territory with a higher crime area. Well, you know, it's nice to have 911 and God bless our first responders, but the onus of protecting my family starts with me
2: mm-hmm. and
1: starts with mama also it's not just daddy it's mama as well any able-bodied citizen it starts there and so for me it it came down to protecting myself and those around me and not not being beholden to the will of other people and because there's things that go bump in the night best and in in many ways and I don't live in fear I'm not running around in fear In fact, and I think some of your viewers that may not be familiar with this world would be surprised at what I'm going to say, but I mean, what I'm about to say is my goal in life is to never, ever draw a weapon in self-defense. Oh, okay, great. So it's not about firearms ownership. Ninety-nine point percent of what we're talking about and what I deal with is situational awareness. And it's about making smart decisions and not putting yourself in... Compromised situation. So for me, it was a. It's been a. It's really been an evolution in my own thinking from the time when I first had kids. That I, you know, I'm I'm not living with my dad anymore. Used to be, dad would go check the bumps in the night or check if you hear something in the driveway and the dogs Mm -hmm. are barking. Well, now it's me. And again, to to repeat myself, I am not going to be beholden to the will of bad people.
0: Yeah. You know, earlier I was talking about your sense of humor, and before I go any further, when I was just listening to you talk, Johnny, I kept thinking of this quote I saw one time, and that is if you're always trying to be normal, you will never know how amazing you can be. And, you know, I just love your wit. I love the way you think. And a lot of your time is dedicated to making positive changes in firearms awareness and, and kind of a fun, lighthearted way. And I mean, you take a serious subject and make it relatable, which is not an easy task, trust me. Um, but do you find that your dedicated followers and audience enjoys that and connects to you because of your sense of humor
1: well can we just repeat that again and you just go through again telling me how funny I am because that (laughs) that is the peak that was the peak of this interview like it is downhill from the end that was the moment I can smell the Pulitzer Prize already or an Emmy or whatever you qualify for this is an amazing show in 2018 I was watching some YouTube videos and YouTube is its own world like the YouTube gun culture and guys on there testing firearms and and you know being funny going out on a farm and and you know shooting shooting funny stuff or putting holes in pizza boxes it's its own little world and there's a lot of drama there's a lot of characters there's just a lot of people and I got tired of so many guys being so serious about it and one guy on YouTube made fun of a a guy that I've since become friends with and called him a Sasquatch. He's a, he's almost seven feet tall. Oh wow. And he's a full time he's a full time shooter. He shoots firearms full time. And somebody's called him a Sasquatch. And that is such Beth, that is such low brow humor. Mm-hmm. called a seven I'm like he's he's been called a Sasquatch since he hit puberty. Right. And I ran downstairs and grabbed my daughter's sequined hat and I grabbed some funny glasses. And I put on my best Joan Rivers imitation. And it's a, that's an older reference for the kids out there. And I grabbed a feather boa and I wrapped a feather boa around my neck. And I became like a like a red carpet reporter. And I made a, a silly video. And I've been in YouTube for years by that point. I made a silly video talking about the man drama. Middle-aged man drama is what I call it. I love it. it. And- that was at 10 o'clock on a Wednesday night. The next morning, somebody who's, who's got a large voice in media texted me and said, what did you do? And I was like, well, I was mad. I was mad about you know, lowbrow humor and calling some guy a Sasquatch. I mean, I don't like lowbrow humor. If the guy's name is Forrest, don't yell at him. Run, Forrest, run. Do better <laughs> if you're going to try to do comedy. So I did that. And back to your point about the voice in the comedy. That opened best. That opened up so many doors. Doors are still opening up from that funny stuff that I did in 2018. I did two full seasons of that and just making fun of people and having fun and and literally laughing at our own industry.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: it was making fun, an insider in the industry making fun of the industry. And everyone that I made fun of on on that show, I'm now friends with. Like I would get texts, hey, you don't know me, but I'm so and so. You made fun of me. I love it. Can you do it again? Oh, wow. Because we take ourselves way too seriously. And now today I find myself here in 2022. Some of those are are what I would call lifelong friends to use your your phrase. I have new lifelong friends that I've made because of just wearing feathers and wearing sequins and being a little bit dramatic and laughing at ourselves because life is short and we take ourselves way, way too seriously. So it's been really, really good for me. It's been a lot of fun. And again, the comedy has certainly opened doors for me and I'm thankful.
0: Oh, absolutely. And yeah, they are very funny. And um, so the topic of being a responsible gun owner is near and dear to my heart. And I mean, I grew up in a household with firearms and I can still smell the hop solvent. And I can see my dad sitting at his desk making his own ammo. And as an adult, I do own a few firearms myself. So I personally feel that I have a very healthy, respectful relationship with them but what um, what if someone is wanting to be a first-time gun owner and maybe is a bit hesitant or perhaps even afraid of them, what is your rule, or, or maybe advice is a better word, so what is your advice to them to overcome their fear, or what is a good way to introduce firearms to a new shooter?
1: Well, I, that's a great question, and we're in a really weird situation in the last two years. It's unique, we should call it, maybe not weird, but in the last couple of years, there has been, This is the age of new firearms ownership. And Uh I mean, I went to the local gun store yesterday and the shelves are still empty. And they've been empty for years now. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very slim pickings because there's so many new gun owners. And uh, it's, it's, it's a weird time. COVID has been really weird. It's made people stop and go, you know what? We live a very thin line between civilization and chaos. If we learned anything from Hurricane Katrina is that 36 hours, 48 hours between civilization and literal warlords and gangs. And I don't mean like traditional gangs, but like warlords roaming the streets. Mm-hmm. And that's not my data. You know, we are, we are, I think it's 11 meals. Don't hold me to this. It's something like 11 meals. By the 11th meal you've missed, you turn subhuman and will literally do anything to feed yourself and to feed your family. Mm-hmm. And it's a scary, scary time. And I think one of the things coming out of the the pandemic is a lot of folks decided to take their home security into their own hands and not re- rely on 911. For a new gun owner, I mean, I think for me, it's education, education, education. And I mean, you don't in any industry or any uh, subgenre, you don't just jump into it willy nilly. A lot of folks do. The average new gun owner will go buy a gun. They'll go down to the local gun store. The guy or the gal, usually a guy behind the counter, will say, you know, here's what I think you need. What they don't know is he's getting a $50 kickback from that company to sell those particular guns. But he'll put something in their hands. He'll give them one box of ammo. They go home. They put that box of ammo in the drawer. They put the gun up above the refrigerator or somewhere safe, and they never take it out. And they never mm. practice. So for me, the answer is education. Yeah. And I think it's just taking classes and doing things the right way. There's not but the four rules of gun safety. There's only four. And it's so easy. And those four rules have have saved a lot of people. And I have, you know, I teach new gun owners as well. And like we go through the basic four and then we drill it in again and we do it again and we do it again until they're handling it themselves. Think education is the big one. It's unfortunate the way that new, most new gun owners come into the fold these days because we're not doing it the right way.
0: Yeah, I remember when I was like 10 years old, my dad would take me out, you know, with a, a BB gun and then it was a 22. And so, yeah, I started at a young age, and um, I'm a girly girl, but let me tell you, I like to. I like to target practice too. So um, one of the questions that my co-host, Dr. Clithro, wanted to address was gun suicides. You know, I work very closely with Scott on a daily basis and the decline of mental health in the nation is something we talk about a lot. Um, and when I was prepping for this interview, I had read that about 21,000 people in the United States use guns to kill themselves each year, accounting for about two thirds of all gun deaths. And you know, this is a heavy conversation and I tend to try and keep things light, but I think it's a topic that needs addressing. And, and again, it's something that Dr. Clitheroe wanted to address, but Johnny, in your opinion, what's the best way to restrict firearm access to those with severe mental illnesses?
1: I, I think even, even the phrase of the question, I mean, there's a lot in there, Restricting right? Restricting firearms to those with a mental illness. And for me is where is the line? Now, unequivocally, we do have a mental health issue in America, near and dear to my heart. I did not serve, but I am around the military and especially the ex-military a lot. Mm-hmm. And our, our military, they are, they, in many ways, our veterans are circling the drain at any given time, uh, 22, 23, 25 deaths a day by suicide from uh, veterans.
2: Right. And it
1: hurts my heart. It's very, very real. And there is a number. Every day that use firearms to commit suicide. Now, the challenge is mental health, and I think it's interesting. And I don't want to like any one life. I don't want to like we throw around these statistics, Beth, twenty-two thousand here, thirteen thousand there, and we forget these are lives. And so I don't want to just throw around numbers. And I got to remember these are lives. These are people's sons and daughters, moms and dads and uncles and or your favorite best friend. One of the challenges is in mental health is when people are not getting the treatment they need, but where is the line and who draws that line?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right now, and for viewers or listeners that have never heard of red flag laws, there are laws that maybe your doctor can make a phone call on a 1-800 number and I don't want to say turn somebody in, but just call, create an alert for one of their patients to say, hey, they probably shouldn't have their gun for the next six months. Mm-hmm. And that may trigger something with the local sheriff's office, the sheriff comes down, cleans out the house. And now the via the government, that person has been disarmed. And with good intentions, with really good intentions. So those are red flag laws, there's red flag laws in a lot of states right now. But the challenge and the challenge is always for me, okay, well, who sits the bar? And where is the line? And it's got to be somebody besides the federal government. And and this is, I promise, right. not a, you know, anti-government. No, like, I know. We've, lost thir- we've lost 13 nuclear warheads, like something that big, things fall through the cracks. We can't run the VA. Like we can't even run the VA and help our veterans. So it's such a big, vast problem. And, and Dr. Klitzer can really speak to this. It's so big. If the answer, I always get twitchy when the answer is the federal government stepping in and making decisions for us, because mm-hmm. I believe in individual autonomy hugely. Now, what do we do I, I think for me and i think you'll like this i think you'll agree with it is a lot of it comes down in a perfect world to community and i think it's less about getting the government involved and having organization or a sub-genre of the federal government come into your house it would be better for your own community your own family to protect you um, we're not having this conversation about knives um, kitchen knives are mega dangerous someone Every day in America, now I'm moving away from suicide to murder, but there's about one death a day from uh, uh, framing hammers that you buy down at Lowe's. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of deaths from vehicles, a lot of deaths from a lot of different things. And I think putting firearms in its own category is is what the media does. I find it a little bit narrow-minded. I think it's even a bigger issue than that. So I said a whole lot of words right there. I don't know the answer. But I do know that we have a major problem. There is right now a sort of a beginning rumblings within the firearms community. I got invited last night to a podcast specifically about mental health and firearms. Oh wow. And there's there's a there's a few organizations that are that are coming at it from the help side. How do we help folks? You probably know the next thing I'm gonna say. I think most organizations, not all, but there's a mass number of them of the organizations that are trying to help with mental health and firearms, that they are coming about it from the angle of disarming responsible citizens, taking um, away my rights. My mom's like, yeah. right, my mom can still, can still carry. Yeah. And if, if it has to do, a lot of them, a lot of these organizations are cloaking what their real goal is, which is disarmament. Not all, there's a lot of well-intentioned people and you come at it from, this. The last thing I'll say on this, they come at it from, okay, we've got a problem. And guns are, 75% of all gun deaths in America are suicide. Yeah. And yeah. so therefore, we need less guns. The number one thing when we have any gun conversation, whether we're talking about suicide or vets or ownership or protection, the cat is out of the bag in the United States on guns. We're not collecting the guns. We're not going to Australia New Zealand. It's not happening. Like, we have to get past that. Okay, the cat's out of the bag. The guns are on the street. I don't know where they are everybody says the guns are on the street i've never seen one on the street but i'm believe me i'm looking (laughs) and so it's a challenge i said all that to say this it is a big challenge and i realize that people are hurting and we're not doing a good job and i feel like again there's rumblings for people trying to help but also i feel like we're losing the battle on, on some level
0: you know, and that was a tough question. And of course, we could go down a rabbit hole and have an entire show about, you know, gun safety, mental health and mental illnesses. And I know Dr. Clither was actually sitting in the committee for um, the Texas AMA. And I need to hook the two of you up. I really, really do. And I'd love to have you back on the show to talk about that. But, um, you know, and I'm serious. I want to ask you back for another interview to talk about that very thing. But with a nation that's so divided on the subject, how do you peacefully explain your pro-gun? Point of view to someone that's anti-gun. I'm sure you do that every single day.
1: I'm that And this is <laughs> what maybe I, I have honestly. And people are going to roll their eyes. Audience, prepare to roll your eyes. <laughs> I, roll. I have never, <laughs> I have never met an anti-gunner. I've never met a single person that's anti-gun. And the and people go, I actually I am I am. Uh, my kids are in school, and I don't want a school shooting. I, I I'm not real comfortable with them. They're scary et cetera, et cetera. I'm very much anti-gun. A friend of mine just the other day, we were having this conversation and, and he said, and he's an educated guy and he's a PhD in, in a really, really good program. I guy's successful on every metric. And he said, Johnny, I am extremely anti-gun. And I said, no, you're not. And he said, what do you mean by that? And I said, have you ever had a bump in the night? He's absolutely, the street we live on is a little bit, can be a little bit sketchy sometimes, especially when it's hot outside and people are out in the street. People are up in the middle of the night. It's a little sketchy. What do you do? He said, I, well, you know, last summer I ended up calling 911. Why? Why did you call 911, brother? He said, well, because the cops would come. Okay, why? Why did you call 911? Well, because they bring guns here and solve the situation that I'm dealing with. Yeah. So my point is, is you say, you know, how do you deal with anti-gun folks? It's it's most folks understand it's a tool like a kitchen knife. People say, okay, what do you do, do with kids in the house? Well, what do you do with the kitchen knives when you have a new baby? And you get a toddler who's got little fingers. What do you do? The kitchen knife. It's like the car keys when you have teenagers in the house or middle schoolers in the <laughs> house. And it's a challenge. It's a tool. Like we we guard our tools. Like Dad didn't let me play with a chainsaw until I was big enough to handle it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think it's it's eye opening. A lot of folks. I've had people go, Oh my gosh, I've never thought about that. Yeah, you're you're totally pro gun. Right. You just want the you just want the local government to own the guns. You want you with your tax dollars. You own a lot of guns they're across town point, yeah. and whenever you need one, you call and have them bring your gun over and you have, it's usually a dude. Sometimes it's, it's women. There's a lot, of, a lot of women in law enforcement, but you may have a dude from across town come over and protect your family. Oh, in about 17 minutes, he'll be here. And that's one of the challenges is that folks think they're, pro, they're anti-gun and they're not. Last point on this, every anti-gun legislation on the national level that has ever been written And we have 20,000 gun laws on the books. Every single one of those gun laws was written by somebody that has 24-hour a day armed security. The anti-gun folks are not anti-gun. They have 24-hour a day armed security. Nancy Pelosi lives behind gates, and she is defended 24 hours no matter where she goes, whether she's Mm -hmm. at work or on vacation or at home. There are there are guns on her property. That's verifiable. And so my point is this, and I'm not being snarky. I'm, it's, it's a great conversation. And I totally get it, Beth. Oh, my gosh, do I get it. If you didn't grow up around, it, you've never been around, him, it's scary. Yeah. And you say something like, okay, I wish we defended our children the same way we defend our money, because we right. apply armed security to banks all yeah. the time. There's armed security at banks, but not at schools. Every mass shooting we've ever had in the last 50 years took place in a quote-unquote gun-free zone. And so I get it. Like, I totally get it. You have a, a mom or a dad go, ah, it still makes me scary. It makes me feel weird to say, okay, the answer to this problem is more guns. And I get it. Like, I totally, I'm a dad. Mm-hmm. I get it. But to your to your point of, what do I say to an anti-gunner? You say, I usually don't, say, I don't really think you are. Like, yeah. and you're totally fine. You're fine with the Senate and the Congress having armed security. You're fine with an armed guard down at the mayor's office or when the board of aldermen meets. You're fine with guns at your bank. You're totally fine with that. But you just don't want me as a private citizen to own that. And so I think it's less about anti gun and it's more of a who owns the guns and who has access to the guns. That's a good
0: point. Question. Yeah. yeah that's a great point and you know, thanks for clarifying that. And I've never really heard explained like that, but that, that, that was really spot on. And, you know, we actually have an email with a question from Troy, who's a subscriber to our show. When he heard we were doing a show about this subject, he sent in this question. I have to find it real quick. Oh, my gosh. Okay, here it is. Um, what is a reasonable and reliable storage solution for firearms in a family environment that still allows rapid response to potential threats?
1: Answer it. I absolutely love the question uh, that Troy sent in, because he's thinking, okay, reasonable, and he's thinking reliable. What's a reasonable? Back to the, back to the kitchen knives. What's reasonable for those? It's a tool. Mm-hmm. And I love with a new gun owner, like I said earlier, the average gun owner is not going to invest in a safe. They're not going to invest in any sort of gun storage that's going to cost them part of their disposable income. They're going to put that gun in a high place away from, away from kids. Um, my children grew up around guns. Guns are not a mystery. They're not, they're not ooh la la, hidden, hidden magic. My daughter could care less. So it really uh-huh. comes down to my son. Uh-huh. So him growing up and, and he's now grown, it was never, oh wow. It was always, if you want to see one, come get me and we'll look at it. We'll take it outside. We'll go to the range. We'll, we'll you can shoot anything you want. These are yours. And they're as much his as they are mine. Uh, eventually he knows he's going to get all of them. And I think for me, it's a great question that Troy has about safety. And I think it's unfortunate how expensive gun safes are. They really are expensive. My recommendation is this is simple lockers. There's a lot of lockers out there. Just put a lock between you and or the kids and a firearm. That would be really important. If you're if you have one for middle of the night, safety. And we're kind of getting lost in the weeds. It is a very specific point, but if it's your number one, what you're going to do if something bumps in the night, and it's what you grab, just don't put battery power between you and that tool.
0: Oh right, yeah. That's
1: what I always say because batteries go dead, and you know you put it up there, and you, it's like just like smoke detectors, you don't think about that until it starts chirping. hmm So mm-hmm. I just tell people have something that is quickly and instantly accessible. It takes two seconds for bad people to come in a, in a locked door. Locks, <laughs> we're going to, this may rattle some cages. Locks don't matter. Locks don't work. There's no, there may be a few out there, but an average consumer grade residential door doesn't lock. There, there is essentially no lock. There. It takes about two seconds to get into a door. So, okay, you've got two to five seconds to start your home defense situation and protecting your family. Just don't put a battery between you and, and that. There's a lot of good, good locks on the, on the, uh, and good safes on the market, so I would just put do and then practice with it. I would do whatever protects your family, whatever protects the kids and little roaming fingers. Every six-year-old knows where every gun is in every house. People think <laughs> putting on top of the fridge matters. No. Remember when we were kids? We knew everything in, in the house. Kids are rummaging. There's no eight-year-old that doesn't know where the guns are. They mm-hmm. know. So yeah. just simple, really simple locks. The great thing is every new gun in America comes with a lock. They come with a lock and you can't even sell a gun in America without a lock on it. If it's mm-hmm. a new gun, a new firearm. So yeah. just good locks and, and have some sense about you. I, and, and if you're going to be, a, you know, have multiple, a, a simple safe, you don't have to buy the big expensive ones, but you can buy a simple safe that are really, really easy, easy to install. You can install them yourself. You don't need a whole team of of workers. It's super easy. So that was a long winded answer to say, Just two things that make sense and protect the kids. Like, just keep them little fingers. Keep the little fingers away from firearms. Yeah,
0: and I love that that you said practice because you know I live alone and I live you know close to the city and. I lock my front door and I lock my bedroom door at night and I have three load of guns by my bed. But I, I think if that would happen, if I had two seconds to react, I don't think I would be quick enough to react and get my bearings. And so I like this, you know, that you said practice, you know, practice makes perfect, right?
1: Well, it's back to the first point we talked about is education and practice. And mm-hmm. here's one thing I'd like to make, especially for anybody in the audience that's never been around guns. There's not one group called gun nuts and gun owners. It is such a huge continuum, and that continuum goes across ages. It goes across color. It goes across – it's not just right-wing, redneck Republicans. It goes across the, – the, right now, the fastest-growing group of gun owners are people of color, and mm-hmm. it, is, it, it is explosive. And also, it, especially this is part of the people of color, Hispanics, it's really, really growing. So it's not just one group of gun nuts. It's big. Yeah. A friend of mine's parents just went and bought their first gun last Christmas, a year ago. They bought one box, and they did what everybody who's never been around guns is they made sure, quote-unquote, it's unloaded. And then they put it away, unloaded. And if a bad guy or bad girl, let's give the women some some chance to be bad.
2: (laughs) Shout out to the girls.
1: (laughs) Shout out to the bad girls. If a bad girl is coming in your house, Looking for an easy, soft target, three in the morning. By the way, the average break-in in America is at two in the afternoon. Essentially, people don't come in the middle of the night. They come during the day. That's a separate conversation. But say somebody's coming in at three in the morning, those parents that I, m- I mentioned, they, if their hands are shaking and they have an adrenaline dump, they will never get that firearm loaded.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: It's not going to happen. Your hands are shaking way, way too much. And so people just don't practice. Very few people train. People are training now more than ever. But even 15, 20 years ago, there was almost no training. Now nearly every city in America has got some sort of training. Mm-hmm. And it's big. And, and, and I still train. I train regularly. It is a perishable skill. And yeah. we'll, do, we'll do high pressure drills. We'll do speed drills. We'll do drills with only one hand. We'll do drills with, with your bad hand and your good hand offhand and your dominant hand. And so we go through all of that stuff. So even back to Troy's email, I'm thinking, I'm educating, I'm being purposeful. I'm just trying to be, just have some common sense, people. Like that's 90% of us just have some common sense. Think about kitchen knives. What do you do when you have a toddler in the house? You put those little clicking things on the drawer. And that's usually pretty. I think that's pretty good for for kitchen knives. You know, yeah. little toddlers they they get three or four. They can get through it. But yeah. at least for the for the for the twos, the terrible yeah. twos, you're good to go.
2: Yeah. So
1: and then after that, you educate and you you teach a four, five, six year old. You teach a six year old how to how to chop carrots and chop things, and you teach them the pointy end. You teach them the dangerous end. This is mm-hmm. the end that will make your fingertips not feel good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never had to deal and with that. I don't goes- have kids, but. It, it, well, and it's, it's, a, it's a great question, especially parents, So that's usually, again, to my earlier point, when people start getting serious about firearms is when they have to start protecting their family often.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but it comes back to education. People always ask me, when should I start my kids with education? It's 100 percent. It, and I didn't make this up. People that are professionals at this have taught me it depends on the kid.
2: Yeah.
1: And it depends on 100 percent on the kid's skills, their hand-eye coordination, their, their small motor skills, especially. And it depends on their interest level, but they should certainly know, and and they do, a lot of parents do a really good job with this. They teach kids, you know, you find a gun on the street, it doesn't really happen. You go holler at an adult. It's just a tool. It's like finding a a machete on the street. It ain't going to (laughs) happen, but you still need to know, okay, that thing right there can make my fingertips not feel good.
0: Right, right, right. That's a great point. And you know, I know we're running out of time here. Um, And kind of as we wrap up, I actually have one last question for you, Johnny. And can I put you on the spot and kind of flip the script and bring you into my world for just a minute? Are you ready? Hit me. I can't wait.
1: Flip that script, girl.
0: Okay. Well, you know, the show is all about health and wellness. And you know, being an exercise physiologist and nutritionist, I ask almost all of my guests. So I have to ask you, Johnny. What do you do in your personal life to stay healthy?
1: Right now is a really interesting time. And even within the firearms world, like we talk a lot about, can you grab a family member and drag them through the house and get them out if there's a fire? Because it's not just about shooting bad guys in the middle of the night. Right. It's about personal protection and, you know, the stuff we talked about earlier. Can you grab your battle buddy? Can you grab both of your kids in the middle of the night I'm, I'm going a little parent heavy but I'm a dad. it's what I do. But can you grab your spouse? Can your spouse grab you drag you down a flight of steps and get you drag you to the front yard and that comes down to physical fitness, and so we talk a lot about that. I mean we really do um, to generalize and to stereotype a lot of southerners are a little bit on the big side. Have you been to I my like family? to say overnourished yes we are extra nurse. We love those biscuits and we like the gravy. I would like another helping, please. The <laughs> south will rise again, but we will wheeze as we do it. And we're rising to the buffet is where we're headed. so funny. So it's a challenge and it's one of the things even in the firearms community that we are we're working on. Like we're trying, like we're trying to turn the tides and really talk about yeah, you put all this time and money into gear and training but if the poop hits the fan, you're going to be wheezing it on the sidelines out of breath. Yeah. For me, and, and you know a little, bit of, a little bit of my story, is I almost died in October from the dreaded poof. It about got me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And literally about died. I'm not being dramatic, but the poof the, the about got me historically I walk a ton and I do a lot of calisthenics and body weight exercises. I'm six foot five and my joints are a little bit on the done side (laughs) Uh and a little bit. So I do a lot of that. Since the COOF, I am, am trying to get back to where I was and I'm telling you, it is a slow go. We have listeners out there that have had the COOF and It's right now. What am I doing for my health? I am walking and I am drinking so much water. I'm growing gills. And I think that's good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Tonight, I will spend 15 to 30 minutes somewhere in there. I'll put a book on tape on or put some music on and I will get down on the floor and I will stretch, 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 stretch. I am big on the stretching. Very good. Yeah. Well, at my size, I have to. I mean, yeah. I, I'm live. I am one live orangutan. I am a giraffe, but I can kick the top of a door. I can re- put one foot on the side of the floor and the other straight up and just put one foot on the tip top of the door. I am live for a 48-year-old giraffe, <laughs> but you don't get that way without a lot of stretching and a lot of water. So for me, it's a lot of water. Um, I, I eat. At le- you're, you're not going to like this, but just don't judge me too much and don't, Never don't judge. let Dr. Clither hear this.
2: Okay.
1: But I usually eat one or two really good meals a day and then I eat garbage for the third. Okay. And that's that's where I'm at. God bless the Mexican food where I live. And uh, I love it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't like good Mexican food? And, you know, it's so funny. You said, um, you know, it'd be in shape for, you know, firearm and, and for safety. And I, th- I don't think people think about that. And I actually about five years ago, I had the opportunity. I was so blessed to actually train um, the border patrol. So to, they actually have to go through a physical and every year. And so I had, again, I was just so blessed to have a contract and I helped a border patrol get in shape and that's something, you know, I, I anyway, I love physical fitness and all that good stuff. And Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, the past two years have been so dodgy when it comes to their health and not working out and kind of comfort food and, and all that, but it's imperative that we all take responsibility for our own health. I mean, not only our mental health, what we just talked about, but our physical health, and this might sound a lot of, you know, a little woo boo to you, but I'm a firm believer that the body follows the mind and it's never ending. So I just want to take a minute to encourage people to remember your health is for the bigger, better purpose.
1: Yeah. And I think the point that I opened with the Calvary is not coming and to be a little more inclusive, there's a lot of viewers and a lot of folks in all of our lives that'll never drag somebody through a house. You may have a vet that's got two new, two new legs that are above the knee.
2: They're
1: non, they're non-weight bearing. They can only bear her weight. Mm-hmm. And she's not going to be dragging anybody. So I want to just be inclusive. I know that we're not all going to be dragging bodies and helping battle buddies. My mother is 77 years old. She ain't, if, if she can just get herself to the front yard, <laughs> we're going to be doing good. So yeah. it's not just about, and that was one example that I used. It's not just about bad, bad situations. We all, I think we all should live every day on this, on this planet that we can and make it as far as we can and still feel good and, and be active. I am terribly, terribly active. I travel a lot and I only got one body and this body takes me there. And so it's a big, big deal to take care of ourselves. I am going to do better this year than I did last year.
0: I love to hear that. And, And you're right. And, you know, if people are willing to pour intense amounts of love and time to their spouse or kids or parents or job or pets or whatever, but they aren't taking care of themselves in the process. I mean, if they're not pouring the same amount of time and love to themselves, then, you know, what's the point? Because, you know, even at that point, There's nothing backing the love that they're pouring into their job or loved ones or whatever. And, you know, it's not that it's not valuable because of course it is, but it's not coming from a place of security or place of comfort. And I just think it's time that people make their health a priority. And, you know, that's my spiel. Bottom line is everyone needs to take their health seriously and make 2022 the year of wellness. And I know you're on the same page as me, Johnny. So that's great.
1: I am absolutely. And, you know, I know that non gun people will pigeon me into being, you know, part of the gun crowd, but it's not just about that. Personal safety goes way, way, way beyond that. I work regularly in a building. And when you go into a particular room in that building, there's one exit in, one out. That's it. Like, that's it. Everything else is windows. Mm
2: -hmm. So I carry
1: a glass breaker with me, just a little tiny little tool. You wouldn't even know what it was if you saw it.
2: Mm-hmm. But I'm going
1: through that window if I have to. And that's one little tiny thing that I do. I keep, here's something else I do. I keep my car keys on me at all times. So even when I get to work in the morning, I do work a nine to five. And when I get my, when I get, most people dump their pockets into their drawer or on their desk, I don't. I am at any point can hit the parking lot and zippy zap out of there. And I do that. I keep the tank mostly full. I don't try not to get below a half a tank just in case. Yeah. So there's about 10,000 things that I do to protect myself and those around me that have absolutely nothing to do with firearms. So for the listeners out there, you're talking about loving yourself. Well, I think we should love our families and our spouses and our partners enough to protect them better. And even if firearms are not their thing, even if they're like, ah, it's too big of a jump. I don't want to be dirty, hairy. Yeah. Yeah. Even if they'll never own a firearm or they live in California where their laws are really, really restrictive or Connecticut or Massachusetts or New York or New Jersey, one of those states with restrictive laws, there's still another 10,000 things they can do. And you've heard me say it before, head on a swivel, like just keeping your eyes up, knowing who's around you, knowing where you're sitting in a restaurant, you walk into a movie theater, are you watching? Are you just paying attention? Where are the exits? And I think all of those things are just as important. And even folks that are not going to ever arm themselves or ever take a firearms lesson, there's still plenty that we can do to, back to your point, love ourselves and love those around us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for sharing that. And I'd love to see your list of 100 things to do. But um, I think it's time for a few words from our sponsor. Hey, Johnny, would you like to help me close out the show after the break?
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay, everyone stay with us. Johnny and I will be right back after this commercial break to finish out the show with some exciting news. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. I grew up on tour with my parents, kind of different, but we bonded over music and we talked honest conversations like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic your honesty gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted in my own life.
1: And I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now, that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. In whatever you do, talk, they hear you.
0: Thanks for staying with us today. We had a great conversation with Johnny and Johnny, you gave us some great advice and insight about firearms. And, you know, this is a topic and- Quite frankly, a debate that's divided friends and families and even the country, and I don't think this debate will ever go away. Do you?
1: Probably not, and it's probably because it's fueled by the media. And I'm not just the uh, the media's bad kind of guy, mm-hmm. but when you look at the actual CDC and FBI statistics, the gap and the chasm between reality, like where we are really are with firearms, and the actual numbers and what's portrayed in the narrative that is spewed out in, in all media, across all media, the gap is so wide, we don't live in reality. So no, not anytime soon, we're going to be coming to a conclusion on this topic.
0: Yeah. Well, very well said. And you know, I just want to thank everyone for joining us today. Whether this is your first time listening to a healthier view or your subscriber, thank you. Your support means a lot to me and Dr. Clitheroe. And if there's a topic you would like us to discuss, email us at info at uptomeradio.com. Our talented, beautiful executive producer, Melinda Davis, reads every single one of them and passes them along. Thank you to our sponsor, Atlanta Life Media Agency. Without their support these shows would not be possible and finally thank you to our special guest Johnny and I encourage everyone listening to check out his YouTube channel and like I said I will have his info and his YouTube channel info in our show notes Johnny thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule and not only being so entertaining but also educating our audience today and you know I just really appreciate everything you do and everything you stand for I really do
1: well, I appreciate you saying that. I love what you guys stand for. I have been going through your backlog of episodes and really, really enjoying it. And I can say today was a joy to be on your podcast.
0: Oh, thank you. And okay, guys, now some exciting news. Are you ready? The first person that responds to this question with the correct answer will win a Shall Not Comply" t-shirt, courtesy of Johnny and an hour-long wellness consult with me and Dr. Clitheroe. We won't be able to diagnose anything, but we can certainly discuss your health and give you tips and advice about your wellness, and we'll discuss your diet and exercise regimen and sleep hygiene and even address stress management, and it's the new year. What better time to think of your health? So all you have to do is email your answer to info at uptomeradio.com or put your answer in the comics section on the show's landing page. Johnny,
1: would you like to ask the question to our audience? Absolutely. It's super easy to find. You just go to YouTube and type in my name, Johnny B, and my face will pop up. So the question is, every Friday I produce a show, what's the name of the Friday show? Two words is all you need. (laughs)
2: woo Yes.
0: Oh my gosh. And that's, you know, I love all your shows. I, I love all your videos, but I'm going to say that's the one that I, um, I'm going to look forward to the most. I'm, I'm just going to say it. So, you know, Johnny, this was a fun episode again. Thank you for being so gracious and open and generous with your time. And I hope everyone enjoyed this conversation today. I also hope everyone has a healthy day, a beautiful 2022, and we will see you next time on a healthier
2: view.